0: Welcome back to Shrinking It Down, Mental Health Made Simple. I'm Jean Boreson and today, which is the first episode of our new season, I want to introduce Khadija Booth-Watkins, who is going to be the co-host of the podcast from now on and Associate Director of the Clay Center for Young Healthy Minds. So Khadija, good for you to be here. Welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Jean. I'm so excited to be here and to be working alongside of you and the team. So this is really exciting, and I'm hoping to have lots of fun.
0: Well, t- tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: <laughs> so I've been here for about a year and a half. I moved up here from New York. Um, I feel like I'm a Southern girl at heart, but I just keep moving, moving further and further north. Um, but I got an incredible opportunity to be the Associate Training Director for our Child uh, Adolescent Psychiatry Program. Um, and so it was like an opportunity I couldn't pass up. So I packed myself and my dog and my kids, and we moved on up to Boston.
0: You're a Southern girl. Where are you from in the South?
1: So I spent a lot of time in Virginia, and then I did all of my schooling in the South, so New Orleans and Memphis, and then came back up North um, for for training. Wow. But I have Southern roots. I feel Southern at heart.
0: <laughs> Do you get cold up here in the North?
1: Oh, I, freezing. And and I was, I was misinformed that Boston is not much colder than New York. It was not true. False, false news. And here I am. So I just bought heavier coats, better footwear, and we're going to make it work.
0: Yeah, you'll be fine. You'll be, it's not, it's not NOLA and it's not Memphis, but it's, um, and it's not Virginia.
1: <laughs> it's not South.
0: <laughs> really, but that was hot as hell. I mean, so, you know, I mean, I, I, I I I really love it up here. It's nice and cool. Welcome, Khadija, and as we often do when we begin our show, um, how has this week been for you? What, what 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 was it like?
1: I mean, this week has been kind of a busy work week, which which you know always adds to my need to juggle and balance. Um, but overall, you know, I think we, we were able to do a lot of fun things. We, we went apple picking, um, decluttered, although there's nowhere to take the stuff because there's still no goodwill accepting, but we decluttered um, a lot of brooms. Um, so it, it felt like a really productive week. How about your week?
0: Um, the most important thing this week was I found out that I'm getting a puppy on November 15th. Oh. which is really important to me. I mean, I, I, I can't tell you how happy that's made me. I, it's, it's just I, every time I think about it because I lost my, my, my best friend, my BFF bear um, on July uh, 20th. And um, I thought I was going to have to wait over a year to get a puppy, but well, miracle of miracles, you know, Uh, somebody on a list that I was on a waiting list that I was on dropped out and I was offered a puppy this November 15th. So I will be getting a puppy.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah. I smile every time I think about it.
1: Like you light up, like literally, (laughs)
0: literally light up. Yeah. (laughs) There's nothing better than a puppy.
1: I, I remember when we have a chocolate lab who's 14 and I remember the puppy days they they were they were they were interesting, he chewed on the baseboards he knocked down the gates but it was it was just so fun to watch him grow i mean he's all, I've had him longer than I've had my youngest son, so he's definitely a huge part of our family
0: i have this the, the I had the chew marks and the and of of almost every piece of furniture that I can think of in the house on all of the dogs I've had in the many years I've lived here and um and they were all kind of like um fond battle scars. <laughs>
1: Yeah.
0: It's what puppies do, you know.
1: Right.
0: You know, it reminds me of them when I look at when I look at the scratches and the chewed the chewed up legs of the chairs.
1: They're all memories. <laughs>
0: They're all memories. Anyway, um, let's get on with the show. So today, today we're going to talk about something that occurs normally in in life, and that's conflict, and um, especially conflict in families. Um so it, it's 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 a part of of, of every single family. But so Khadija, can you can you begin by saying what you think of some of the more common conflicts that that we see in families? What do you think?
1: So I think some of the, the common ones are the ones that we always see, like conflicts around scheduling and routines and screen time. Um but I think some of the newer conflicts in COVID are things like you know, having to navigate homeschooling and working from home and the stress that that brings, you know, kids who are used to being on their own in college now coming home and having to live under the home rules. Um, these things, I think, are not as common as they are now in COVID.
0: And when kids come home, I don't know, and I, it, your son is in school or did he come home?
1: He, well, he's in school. He couldn't wait to run back to school. He did not want to stay home.
0: Because oftentimes when kids come home, we treat them as we treat them like when they were in in grade school or high school, right?
1: And it's hard not to because it's these are that kind of the house rules, and and we forget that they were once living on their own without our rules, and they did okay. And but they come home is almost like we just kind of go back to the way things were, and they really aren't. But it's kind of hard to not do that.
0: <laughs> it really is. You know, the first conflict that I think about. I mean, I think I think today we should talk about how to manage conflict, but maybe even how to prevent conflict. But it seems to me that one of the things that we shouldn't forget is that um, conflict doesn't just occur between parents and kids. It occurs between partners, adults, caregivers who are at home. And um, I think it's important to remember that the kids are watching, you know, and we are whether we like it or not, they're role models. So, you know, um, what do you think is some advice? I mean, it, it's kind of like when, when, when the flight attendant says, we've said this so many times, um, you know, when the oxygen, when when the pressure drops, put the oxygen mask on yourself first and then take care of the people, you know, the person next to you. So how can we deal with conflict as, as caregivers and, and adults at home, when we know the kids are watching.
1: I mean, I think that is really important because I think, like in all of medicine, our, our the goal should be prevention. And so, I think with respect to thinking about it from a preventative way, we have to take care of ourselves, and that just means tuning into yourself and, and engaging in self care deliberately. And I think that in and of itself is overwhelming because my first thought, even as I say, say it, is like, when am I going to do self care? Like, when is there time for that? But I think. Um, as a caregiver, making it a point to be deliberate about it, you know, putting it in your calendar as if you would do any other appointment, and even coming up in advance with some things that you would want to engage in that that would kind of function as self-care and would help to kind of keep you level. Because when we don't take care of ourselves, like our tolerance for frustration is super low, um, which just makes it harder to manage any conflicts and like you said the, the kids are watching so if we do that then they also in turn can do it and we could even sometimes do some of these things with them in terms of the mindfulness and meditation and kind of grounding ourselves
0: yeah and you know it occurs to me that 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 there's some basic principles um, that may sound just like very commonsensical but you know listen to each other don't interrupt um uh, Validate each other's opinions, even if you might disagree with them. Um, a really important one that um, I think kids can appreciate is apologizing if, if you screw up. And Lord knows as a parent, I've screwed up plenty. Um, uh, and maybe if you get, if you get in, in, a, in a tussle with your partner or with another adult at home, whether it's a grandparent or, 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 or any uh, caregiving figure, you know, take a time out. Don't let it go on endlessly. And those are some of the things that I think that we need to be sure that our kids get to see. Are there other things, Khadija, that you think would be helpful in terms of preventing conflicts?
1: Um, So I think, you know, just like we want to be uh, kind and compassionate and forgiving to ourselves and patient, I think we want to do that with our partners. We want to do that with our kids. Um, Other things I think that would help really limit conflict would be really, I guess, taking the temperature of the room and making sure when you are ready to kind of engage that everyone is kind of ready. You know, if you're really wound up that might not be a good time to engage in a conversation or if your partner's really wound up or the kid that may not be a good time so like you said kind of taking a time out but that would really mean that you'd have to really kind of take the temperature of the room um, I think those are two really big things that would kind of really uh, impress press upon other people
0: yeah and you know one thing that we we shouldn't forget is the golden rule you know do unto others as you would have them do unto you I mean I think oftentimes in the heat of a a disagreement, we often, you know, forget that, you know, um, we're treating our kids or partners or or, or anyone at home, you know, in a way in which we would not want to be treated ourselves.
1: Yeah, that's so important because that we, you know, how we treat each other, you know, teaches our kids as to how, when they go out in the world, how they will treat other people. And I think that is the modeling is just so important. Um, how they interact with other people, how they manage conflict is, is so important for us to model in a positive
0: way. Yeah. And I think when you said take the temperature in the room, you know, sometimes um, I've made the mistake of, of saying, okay, let's have a family meeting. Well, the last thing a kid is going to want is a family, you know, and that's when you get the eye roll and they're like, whatever, you know, so uh, it, it, it takes a fair amount of improvising to kind of discuss difficult topics or have a you know, have, you know, try to resolve a conflict without making it a formal meeting. That's a tough one.
1: That is a tough one. And, and that, that like requires us to be flexible and see that, you know, my kids slam doors. So the eye rolling, the slamming of doors like that, maybe it's not a good time. Like let's, let's, let's all take a minute and come back to the table or the rug or wherever we decide to have the, 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 the talk.
0: Okay, so, so let, let's say there is a conflict. Let's say, uh, whether whatever, screen time or curfew or you know, whatever. Um, what are some tips that we can come up with to give uh, parents and caregivers um, to deal with Deal with conflict effectively when it comes up? Because conflict's gonna come up, it's gonna happen. So what, what are some things that you can think of?
1: I guess one of the big things that, and I think we talked about it, in a, in a way in terms of in the, in the way of prevention, but I think in the way of just when things are, are hot, doing meditation and mindfulness together to, to bring the temperature back down is, is one, one big thing. Again, it just really guides the, the direction of the conversation and the outcome. Um, so I think that's so important. Are there other things that you see or, or think is important in terms of managing conflict?
0: Well, I think... Um... You know, we've talked about collaborative problem solving, you know, when Stuart Ablon was on, you know, in in, uh, a previous episode. So I think when we're having conflicts, trying to make them win-win, like trying to see each other's points of view and try to negotiate with each other and collaborate. So collaboration, to me, is really an important concept to to get across and, and, and helping kids see that that they have some input and validation and a point of view that we want that we want to be open to listen to.
1: And that, that takes us back kind of to, to prevention when we kind of can plan a schedule, include them in the schedule make, making and the routine making, like you said, kind of give them options and choices as to what activities they might want to do, when they might want to do them, where, where they're negotiable. And I think being clear about what things aren't negotiable upfront makes it an easier conversation, definitely. Um, but if we could plan some of these things in advance, and even, you know, I like to do menus, like so give menus of things to do, because I might not be able to entertain you. So here's a menu of things that you could choose from when when you're bored or when you want to do something.
0: And that that, that also sets a, another kind of rule, and that is to think developmentally. I mean, when you have a conflict with a toddler, it's very different than having a, a conflict with a school age kid or with a young adult. I mean, so be aware that, you know, there's certain things that, that kids at different ages can kind of understand. Um, one one thing that I always, a couple things that I, I try to, I've always tried to point out, especially when I'm doing family therapy or with my own family, and that is, one, this is not a democracy. It, it isn't. And, and for kids to think that a family is a democracy is wrong. I mean, we do, we do to kind of, you know, get what, it's kind of like what the Rolling Stones said, you know, you can't always get what you want, but you get what you need. And, and so, you know, if we follow that kind of rule, um, uh, we're probably better off because, you know, kids that think that they, that, that, you know, they have an equal say, it's just not true. On the other hand, they need to be validated. Um, so, um,
1: it's it's that balance, you know, and it's so refreshing to hear you say that because that is always the struggle for me. Um, and sometimes in my work to really communicate, you know, and again, this is my value and how I think about it, but it's not a democracy. You don't, you don't get a vote on everything. Um, and, and that's important because I think that also makes kids feel contained in a way and it makes them feel safe and it makes them feel like, you know, you can handle whatever's going to come. Um, I had a, had a, um, supervisor that used to always say, you know, when your kid moves into the executive suite, then we have a problem. You know, they, they belong in the junior suite down the hall in the twin bed, not the master room. And I think that it really is important to keep in mind in terms of just thinking about negotiating and what's what's negotiable, what's not negotiable, and, and giving them a sense of autonomy and say, but knowing where, where its limits are.
0: Right. And, you know, um, during COVID, which you mentioned at the very beginning, there's been a lot more family conflict. I've heard it from my patients, and it's it's clearly been in the news, you know. So in an article in the New York Times, I want to quote um, um, Isabella F. from Hogart High School in Wilmington, North Carolina. And what she says is, is this, nagging, bickering, and fiery arguments. If I'm being honest, I feel like I've been arguing with my parents so much more since quarantine. My parents have been so much more stressed out recently because they have so much more that they have to worry about. I feel bad for my parents because they didn't sign up for this. I know nothing can be controlled, but I wish I could take some of the stress from them because they're being overwhelmed and overworked nowadays. Khadijah, what do you think? Well, How would you answer that?
1: I'm just hearing the guilt that she's, um, that's coming across. And and I hear the frustration and and the concern, which which I, I imagine a lot of kids probably do have as they watch their parents work from home, where, which they probably never really witnessed how the, how much they really work and what their job looks like. Um, I think this is where these conversations come in, into place, where, where we can talk openly about, you know, our concerns about one another um, and thinking about things we can do maybe together that, to help us as a family bring our frustration and our anxiety down um, and 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 allow you to, to have the space to reassure your child that, that that they don't have to worry about you and you don't expect them to take over, you know, their responsibilities. And, um, but it's just, it it sounds so kind, but I hear so much guilt, um, which, you know, we want to, we want to try to address.
0: I think it's really important. I mean, there are many kids that I see in therapy that everybody's on edge and they're feeling so guilty about causing more stress and more problems because, you know, they know their parents are doing so much um, and they know that they're being, after the fact, irritable, feisty, nasty, whiny, complaining, and then feel awful about contributing even more stress. So sometimes it's, I think it's, I think you're right. I think for us to acknowledge that it's not their job to be guilty about everything that I have to do as a parent, what I said to my kids was, don't worry, you'll have your turn. Um, <laughs> and now they do. <laughs> and then now they are guilty and worried about every little thing. But it's true, so I think, I think what you're saying is right. We should acknowledge that sometimes the kids are feeling bad about bringing one more stress. So how would you frame that to the kids?
1: I mean, you, you wanna you want begin by validating They're concerned. You don't want to be dismissive and not give it the time and attention that it that it deserves, because it sounds like this has been weighing on this kid, you know, in terms of these thoughts and feelings. Um, But but just reassurance that that you know, no, I didn't sign up for the pandemic, but I did sign up to be a parent, and this is my job, and I'm always happy to do my job as where it comes into taking care of you. Um, I think just really reassuring them that that they don't have to be concerned about. That part of it, but it's just—it's just something I just think, and I, as I said, it—I didn't think about it before. But kids have probably never—they didn't really, probably, really appreciate what the life of their parents looked like. You know, you go off to school, you know, you go off to work, and then we come home, and we don't really know what the day in the life looks like for one another. So this has probably been really eye-opening for both sides, I imagine.
0: Wow, that's a great point that we're—that we're, that we're for—for once spending so much time together, we can actually get to see how stressful it is to be a kid and how stressful it is to be a parent.
1: It's impacting people so differently, especially the younger, my my friend who has a younger, and I've heard this from a couple of people. It's so hard for the younger ones to watch their parents work and to be able to see them and not touch them. And, you know, to be able to see them, but not be able to talk to them. It's just been so hard on the little ones. Like they really feel, and they have a harder time articulating, so they more behaviorally, but they just really feel kind of neglected and they don't have their friends. Like it's just been really hard on on those parents.
0: The other thing I think that's really common is, is that sometimes um, the kids will nag or whine or complain or get into a fight and then they'll go off to their room and then they'll, they'll kind of suffer in silence. They'll, they'll realize, you know, like, Oh man, what did I just do? And then they'll, they'll tweet or they'll text their friend and they'll feel so terrible about it. And I, I think we need to find ways of encouraging them to come down and say you know i've been thinking about this and the same thing for parents you know when we kind of like lose it and then for us to come back to them after we're feeling so guilty about laying so much stuff on them to come back and say you know i haven't been thinking about it and i'm i'm really sorry that i i laid I laid that on you and it's, it's not your fault we're all we're all in this you know together
1: yeah, we have, we have to learn how to do that because it's not so much as if it's kind of when because it's we, we all make mistakes. It's it's hard, um, and that's something I think we have to learn how to do.
0: It's a matter of of being able to walk away, reflect, and then come back and say, you know, I was thinking about what just happened, and I really feel bad about it, and that's a that's a conversation starter.
1: And if your kid sees you see you do it, they'll they'll be able to. Hopefully, ideally, model it. You know, when when it, the table returns, which is again so important.
0: Um, I, I I I totally agree with that. Um, uh, you know, the other thing that I just want to point out is, well, there's a whole other topic that we can get to maybe at some other point in time, and that is families that are divorced and the kids are going back and forth from one household to another, especially during COVID, uh, and especially if there are different rules, you know, in um, in parents who are not. You know, where they're divided families. Um, Have you seen that in your practice that 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 becomes a source of of conflict?
1: It's definitely a source of conflict. And I've also seen because of COVID not going back and forth um, because of concerns. And I don't know if you've seen a lot of that as well, but that's also like a different source of conflict and, and stress.
0: And who gets the kids when and when to quarantine and how to quarantine and what do we do about testing? I mean, there's so many uncertainties in this era it's just a hotbed for for conflict, um, uh, you know. And and not not to get too political on this, but I'll go there anyway. I mean, we have seen some of our fearless leaders act in very uncivilized ways. I think, and and it's it does say, it does set precedent, and the kids are seeing that. You know, they're seeing they're seeing folks you know, not treat each other very well, you know, and not listening to each other. Um, So the models, you know, that we have that our kids are exposed to, um, especially during this hot contentious time, I think, adds to the conflict and stress um, that they're experiencing.
1: Right, because if we can listen, a lot of times they will tell us what they need or what they want. Or what's bothering them, um, and I think what you what you speak to is that there's there's like an inability to listen to and 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 be able to validate someone else's concern or opinion or feeling without it feeling like you you have to agree. I think that's really um, a challenge, and we see it play out every day yeah. on the news.
0: And you mentioned one of your supervisors, one of my favorite supervisors, um, Ann Alonso. Um, made a wonderful comment that I keep that comes back to me all the time. And she said, uh, for therapy, for parenting, for teaching, for whatever, uh, and particularly for conflict, sometimes um, don't just do something, sit there. (laughs) Which which rings so true to me because I tend to jump in and interrupt and want to get something done and sometimes getting something done means just sitting, and keeping my mouth shut. You know, it's <laughs> which is not an easy thing for me to do.
1: That silence can be tough.
0: Yeah, and, and one final thing that I wanted to mention, and that is, is that a lot of families want to have contracts. Contracts don't work. I mean. You know, I mean, whoa, we're going to have a family contract. We're all going to agree that, you know, I've never seen a family contract work in all the years that I've been practicing, you know. um, And regular regular times. (laughs) Comes up over and over again. Like, Let's make an agreement. Let's make a contract. Let's write this down. And it's like uh, the kids, again, eye roll, whatever, you know, and then they post it on the refrigerator or or whatever, and they just don't work you know, understanding, seeing eye to eye or not seeing eye to eye, agreeing to disagree, you know, um, is, is really what we're, what we're shooting for.
1: I mean, this is a time that screams flexibility. A contract just does not lend to flexibility. So whereas it didn't really work in regular times, it's definitely not going to work in COVID times.
0: (laughs) No. So anyway, um, uh, uh, we could talk more, a lot more about conflict, um, but um, is there anything else that you might want to add before we, before we close, close out our first episode?
1: Uh, I mean, I think that remembering that we're not doing this alone. We're all, most of us are facing some, some similar challenges and, you know, many people have thought of ways to, to resolve them. And, and I think not reinventing the wheel and, and knowing that, that, that you, You don't have to do this alone or or think of all of the the great solutions. A lot of them have already been figured out, Um, you know, in terms of I think we we talked about parents earlier, you know, thinking about what things you enjoy, whether it's taking a walk or listening to music or, again, mindfulness and meditation. These things can really be valuable, even if you just spend 10 minutes a day. Um, So I think those are the two two big things I think are are really important to remember and, and take home.
0: Yeah, and one final thing that I just remembered was um, my favorite psychiatrist of all time, uh, a guy named Donald Winnicott, you know, said uh, about uh, parenting, we only can be good enough. Striving for perfection is not going to happen. And the other thing is, that he said is we succeed by our failures. You know, I always think that if you resolve a conflict, the relationship gets stronger. So when I, when I think back on all the times that I failed as a parent, and believe me, there's more than I can think of, more than I can count. Whenever we made up, the relationship gets stronger. So I think thinking of conflict, not so much as a negative, but resolving a conflict as being something that, you know, um, is a sign of strength and hope is something for us to, to just think about.
1: I really like that.
0: Well, um, in closing, what was it in the news this week that <laughs> that struck you?
1: There's so much in the news. I don't know where to begin. So I'm just gonna go with um, that. I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan and I know that it's probably against the law living here in Boston but we are five and zero, and that was in the news. And I just loved a commentator said that, that my team was actually socially distancing from the other team because they were just beating them so badly. Like that I think made me smile because there's so much negativity in the news and so much that's stressful that, that brought, that made my weekend.
0: But <laughs> well, wait a second. You're, you're, you said you're a Southern girl. How can you be a Pittsburgh Steelers, a Steelers fan? I mean, come on, it's Pittsburgh. It's not, it's, it's it's way above the Mason-Dixon
1: line. It is, it is. And so so one of my favorite teachers in high school um, was a, not a physical therapist, what is it called when you're in high a, a trainer. And so she worked with a lot of the athletes and apparently Mike Tomlin, the coach, who I absolutely think is amazing, went to the high school. So I just kind of took it on in high school that this is my team. And, you know, I'm not a bandwagon team. So this is my team
0: to the end. Well, it's not, it's not always the best idea to, to it's better than being, a Yankees fan, I would say, in Boston, um, there's not a lot of not a love between Boston and the Steelers. But you know, well, look, <laughs> all I can say is Fred Rogers is from Pittsburgh. <laughs> Mr. Rogers is I'm a huge fan. I can't say that I'm a Roethlisberger fan, but you know, um, at least it's not Roethlisberger against Brady. You know. Cam Nelson is is a good alternative. So that that we'll see what happens when they play.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, Good season
0: so far. And I have to say, in terms of the news, it just it just you know um, amazes me how um, uncivilized we've become. You know, I, I I don't mean to end on a down note, but just a little bit of kindness and gentle and gentle discourse would be, would be great. You know, not having to mute the microphones, but having our leaders <laughs> mute themselves <laughs> and not just do something, but sit there and listen would be, would be a, a, a great thing.
1: And so, treating each other with dignity and respect is just kind of one of those things that, like you said, modeling.
0: So important. Right. Right. It, it doesn't take that much. Um, but, um, we shall see. So anyway, um, uh, thanks so much, everybody, for listening. And if you want to make comments or you have uh, little vignettes or, or tricks on how you manage conflict, just send us an email and um, ask us questions and we'll come back to this, I'm sure. Uh, we hope that our conversation will help you have yours. I'm Jean Bereson.
1: And Khadija Watkins.
0: See you next time you mm-hmm.